You're listening to Louisiana Insider, a superlative guide to a great state's destinations. Hosted by Errol Laborde, executive editor of Louisiana Life Magazine. It's not Louisiana song. It's my favorite melody. It's not Louisiana song. Hearing it echo through the cypress trees. Our topic this uh, edition is seafood, which is really a popular topic. Uh, with me is uh, Stanley Dry, who writes the food column for uh, Louisiana Life magazine, and who has a whole string of credentials. He's written for national magazines and uh, really an accomplished, uh, accomplished food writer. He also, uh, a few years ago at Louisiana Life, we did a, our, our parent company, Renaissance Publishing, we did a cookbook called The Essential Louisiana Seafood Cookbook. It's a really good book. Uh, even if you don't want to cook anything, just looking through the book, it's got beautiful photography. And then it has um, Stanley's recipes. Uh, we did another book to say uh, about a Louisiana cookbook, not just limited to seafood, the one that was about uh, seafood. And it's a really good book. And at some point during the show, actually a couple of points, if you don't mind, uh, what we've done with, is that we've um, set up on our website uh, a button where you can go. And because of... Uh, we appreciate your listening to this podcast so much that uh, we're going to do half off on the book. And so you can go to the button and it's uh, $8.99 and it's worth it. It's really a, uh, a nice book, but more of that a little bit a bit later. Anyway, uh, thank you very much, uh, Stanley. Uh, Louisiana has got a, a wealth of seafood. What are some of your favorite seafoods? Like if you wanted to fix like a, a fish dinner for friends that were important to you, what would be your go-to fish? Oh, I would I would start with oysters for sure, and uh, uh, probably do some tr try to do something with shrimp and crab crab, and um, uh, one of the uh, one of the fishes, you know, uh, snapper or or redfish or uh, pompano. Okay, how does snapper? For the uninitiated, which I guess I'd be one, how does it differ from redfish? How could, it, like, if you were sitting in a restaurant and they give you one plate that had snapper in and another plate that had redfish and it was fixed the same way, could you say, well, this is snapper and this is redfish? I think so. Yeah, I, th I think so. Uh, redfish is, uh, to my mind, is a, uh, um, a bit more delicate uh, uh, fish than, uh, than the redfish. The, the uh, uh, the fillets are generally uh, smaller, not as thick as the redfish fillets. And redfish has really been a, a go-to fish for a lot of Louisiana seafood dishes. Oh yeah, redfish is uh, well. You know, Paul Prudhomme when he started his uh, black and redfish way back when. You know that really yeah. uh, that became a national craze for that. The thing that was always amazing about that episode, though, is when he started, remember, it became so popular that it was starting to deplete the Gulf of Mexico of redfish. So they had to put that ban on for a few years that people couldn't um, uh, fish for redfish. At least I don't think they could do it commercially. I guess recreationally, you couldn't. But that's when the dish is really popular. I mean, when you're depleting the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, I mean, I was, I remember I was living in New York at the, at the time and it was, uh, you know, it was crazy popular up there. 
one of one of the good things about that, though, I think, was uh, when there was uh, uh, such a shortage of, uh, of of redfish, basically none uh, commercially. Uh, uh, people started using other kinds of uh, underutilized species, you know, such as black drum and uh, and a variety of other species, and uh, which which had been ignored before that. Oh, I remember that. You, we started seeing down here fish on the menu that were from the Gulf that at least me had never heard of, like amberjack. Uh, mm-hmm. That was totally new, uh, amberjack, and the mai um, uh, mai. Uh, those were in the Gulf tuna. I didn't know there was tuna in the Gulf, but those were all fish that you saw on the menu because of the depletion of the redfish because of Paul Prudhomme. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And um, uh, a lot of those, and those are, you know, some of those fish that were those underutilized fish, people used to call them trash fish, you know, which was uh, which really a terrible thing because uh, they're, they're really good fish in their own right, you know. They are like a black drum is, you know, is a very good fish. Um, so uh, sheep's head is another one, and you, now you see them, uh, you know, you see them on the menu some that before you never did. I think sheep's head has a marketing problem. That's a terrible name. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not an inviting name that you'd want. Uh, yeah, give me a sheep's head, please. You, know. <laughs> you, you had mentioned pompano. Pompano is, you're right, it's a good tasting fish, but it's not that plentiful. You don't see it on many menus. No, you don't see it that much. And uh, uh, I don't know around here, I've never seen it in the, the fish markets uh, around, around here, maybe in New Orleans, but in New Iberia, this area, I've never seen it in a market. Yeah. The classic place, of course, is Antoine's in New Orleans. Which is known for its pompano and it's uh it's pompano a papalette, which is a uh, pompano that's fixed in the bag with seafood, and so that's the place to get. But it's not that many. But usually it's those kind of restaurants um, that have it, not other places. That's right. Yeah. And I think what happens is that I was talking to somebody like the restaurants that do serve it, the classic restaurants that the pompano fishermen know when they get a pompano instead of just going through the whole marketing procedure, they just go straight to the restaurant uh, because the restaurant is just an automatic purchase for it. Um, so, so there's no marketing, uh, marketing procedure for it. Um, what's, your, what's your favorite way of cooking fish? Well, it depends, it depends on the fish, but uh, I would just say as a, uh, in general, as a, uh, a broiled fish, Broiled fish. Uh, if I broil fish, I usually uh, use a little butter and a, a little white wine uh, uh, with it when I'm broiling it. Uh, and some things, some things are very good. Like a redfish, if you have a redfish, is very good on the grill. Uh, r- grilled redfish is excellent. There is this terminology. Are you familiar with it? I guess you are redfish in the shell. No, I never have... heard that. Okay. Uh, I was in uh, Houston one time and I was eating a restaurant, it was a seafood restaurant, and it had this dish, it was called redfish in the shell. So I said, huh, okay. And uh, I asked about it, and what it is, it's a method of getting the redfish and cooking it in the skin, I guess on the grill. And so you get the redfish served and you got the, the meat and then you got the, the crispy skin. Well, apparently that's a fairly 
common term in, in Texas, where I guess they only have that much seafood to begin with. And so in Texas, it was it was a common term. But then um, I did a column about it, I think, in, uh, here. And I mentioned about redfish in the shell and that you never hear about it in Louisiana. And I got a couple of those people thought, oh, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Uh, and I have seen it that I'm aware of it, like one or two restaurants do that. But it's not something that's 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 commonly spoken of, that's commonly done. But it's an okay dish when it's done right, because that skin part could be nice and, you know, when it's done well, it's nice and crispy. But right. it's actually called redfish in the shell. That's a new term for me. Well, okay. All right. Well, let's talk about crawfish. Um, the uh, first of all, okay, I, I have this theory. I might be wrong. Okay. If there is crawfish like stew, a crawfish etouffee, people get all excited about it because it's crawfish. But to me, when crawfish is like in a stew or something, you're not really tasting the crawfish. Uh, you're tasting everything else that's that's in the pot. That the crawfish tail itself isn't real flavorful. And so the flavor that people are used to with crawfish is when it's boiled and they're really sucking in all that seafood boil and, and, and all of that. Am I wrong about the, the crawfish tail or? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, uh, it's just, uh, of course, boiled, boiled crawfish is everybody's favorite, I think. But, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm going to get that. But, but like, if there's like a, a crawfish stew or an etouffee, first of all, there's a good chance it's not Louisiana crawfish. Because Louisiana crawfish, you want to use for boiled crawfish. And so it might be like some Chinese crawfish, you know, that they put in the stew, but nobody can tell the difference because of all the stew things. And then to me, if you really want to be sure you're losing that crawfish, it's the boiled crawfish. That's true. That's true. Yeah. When you boil crawfish, do you ever boil crawfish? We do sometimes, yes. And what do you like to put in your crawfish boil? Well, we use we use one of the uh, generally use one of the uh, uh, the standard uh, crawfish boils the the dry mixture you know the zatarans or the uh, what's the other one the rex I think and those and uh, lemons and uh, and salt of course and we like to cook uh, you know usually people will do some corn and uh, small potatoes and sausage, which is really good. We also like to, to uh, uh, cook artichokes, uh, put boil artichokes in there. They are really delicious when they're, uh, when they're boiled in that, uh, that crab boil. What do you do? Do you, do you cut up the artichoke uh, and put the meaty part in it? Or do you put the... Do, we, do, do you... we do them whole. We do them whole. We do, do the whole artichoke. Oh, okay. And then, and then you just eat it the way you don't, you know, when, the way you'd eat any artichoke if it were steamed or whatever, pull, pulling over the leaf, pulling off the leaves, and then uh, getting down to the uh, uh, to the heart, taking out the choke and eating the heart. But that that uh, that crab boil really gives it a wonderful, wonderful flavor. Somebody told me that that uh, in fact it was a man at, at the uh, feed and seed store. He told me that people around here used to always cook artichokes, boil artichokes uh, with their crawfish. But it's not something that uh, you see that much around here anyway, but it's a it's a great addition to a crawfish boil. Yeah, I, I don't think you see it much. Around, I, I don't see it that much in New Orleans. 
Uh, and Kelly's shaking her head. No, but you know what I have seen is that um, a, a couple of times I was invited to be a judge at a crawfish boiling competition. And several of the people put pineapple uh, in the crawfish boil. And, and that was really good because the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the pineapple has got the sweet taste to it. And then, and then you get the tanginess from the boil. And so uh, the taste buds go all over the place with it. But, but, but pineapple cooked like crawfish it was, really, it was really good. That's interesting. I'll have, to, I'll have to try that. I've never had that. I've never had that. Crawfish are incredibly, of course, they're always expensive this time of year, but around here, we were going to buy some craw, some boiled crawfish the other night. We thought, well, let's just go get a, you know, get some boiled crawfish. <laughs> and uh, the uh, places were sell with $6 a pound. Um, yeah. You know, so for 10, 10 pounds of crawfish is $60. We said, oh, well, maybe we'll eat poor boys today. <laughs> yeah. But generally, generally and, and the guy told me this was early in the week. He said, well, the price will, price will go up uh, by uh, Good Friday, you know, because everybody wants uh, crawfish on, on Good Friday. And then generally after Easter, it, it goes down. I imagine this, the, some of the cold weather we've had has cut down on, on some of the supply. Yes, well, what happens when, when, when the weather's cold that the, the crawfish burrow deeper into the ground and the Right. Uh, okay, wasn't the rule of thumb for like for adults crawfish like about three dollars i mean three three pounds per person would, would that be uh, about right anywhere from three to five pounds per okay. person for three four five pounds generally is what yeah. what what it would be yeah so three pounds i mean like that, that's 18 dollars right there uh, right. yeah um and that's not in a restaurant that's to go you know yeah um um you know what's happening a little bit is, at least in New Orleans, is that uh, the, the Vietnamese are developing more of a presence with, with crawfish. And of course, they would have had some, I guess, naturally in Vietnam. But there is a, um, a restaurant, uh, a Vietnamese restaurant. They opened a place on Magazine Street, and they just opened a place on, uh, on Carrollton. And it's a seafood boil place. And, um, and you can go in there, and then the, uh, uh, they have the various kind of boiled seafoods. But I, I did try the crawfish. And the crawfish come with a whole selection of different alternatives with how you want it boiled uh, with different flavors. And so uh, it seems to be doing well. So they're moving into the market. I mean, the combination, I mean, Vietnamese in Louisiana seafood are just a, a natural partnership. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, it's kind of like the, the, uh, the environment that they came from. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard about and read about the uh, what the Vietnamese are doing with that. It's, it's fascinating. I haven't I haven't had a chance to have it yet. Did you like it done that way? Oh yeah, yeah, good, yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, it was really expensive, but it was uh, it was good. But I certainly want to go back and do it again. Um, and again, what's different? Any other seafood bar? It's not like you get any choice about flavors. I mean, nobody talks about crawfish in terms of flavors like you do king cake or something okay but but here you do and so you get your choices of what, what you bought with and, and, and so you can get like two or three different flavors in, in terms of the way that it's boiled uh, this and that's really different about it um do you suck the heads yes okay now, see, actually, I, actually i don't i don't actually suck them i use my finger to get the uh to get the crawfish fat out with Okay. But, uh, sucking them, I find sometimes you're getting too much, uh, too much salt. Yeah. 
That's true. I mean, it's probably not healthy for it, but man, that's where the flavor really comes from. Oh, it is. I mean, that's where you get a big shot of flavor uh, yeah. when, you, um, when you do that. Um, shrimp. What, um, okay, we have the, what, what do we have? We have, we have the brown shrimp in Louisiana and with the, with the white shrimp. Browns, right, right. Is there any real significant difference with, with, with yeah. the size between the two or? I don't know, Errol. I've never, I've never myself, I mean, I've never sat down and really compared them side by side, but I, I if there's a big difference between them, I don't know what it is. Um, okay. Shrimp is probably one of the most versatile of all seafoods. I mean, there's so many ways you can do it between the fried, uh, fried shrimp. And of course here, uh, uh, we, we have a tradition of the barbecued shrimp in the uh, um, in, in New Orleans, but it's uh, kind of an, it's a global something too. I mean, if you you find shrimp everywhere in the world, um, anyway, um, you have how's the crabs in the Lafayette area? The crabs are, the crabs have been real good around here. Uh, they've they've been bringing in bringing in a lot of crabs. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen any soft shell crabs yet, but. Uh, you're talking about favorite seafoods. That's one of my favorite things also is the soft shell crabs. Uh, I, I think a soft shell crab is one of the great delicacies in all of, in all of food. And I mean, when it's really done right and when you can just kind of like pick off those claws and, and the different textures you experience. I mean, probably one dish doesn't have as much variety in textures as, as, a, good, as a good soft shell crab. Oh yeah, a soft shell crab is just a fabulous, fabulous thing. Talking about crabs, I'll tell you the story. It was it was 10, 15 years ago. Alice and I were Alice has a, a son and his family who live in Baltimore, and we were visiting them. and uh, He took us to a, uh, 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 a seafood place. They don't they don't boil them up there. They they steam them, and uh, we went out and we had uh, we had steamed crabs, and they were just these giant big crabs like you know like freshwater crabs that occasionally you'll come across with the and they were just so meaty and just absolutely wonderful crabs and so i asked the proprietor i said well where do your uh, where do your crabs come from he said lake pontchartrain <laughs> well you know were they blue crabs did you know crabs yeah. yeah yeah we ship oh. we ship an awful lot of crab up to baltimore because yeah, the, um, because the Chesapeake just doesn't uh, yield as as much crab as it used to. Yeah, there was a story going around like a few years ago. There was a shortage of crabs in New Orleans, and people said, "What happened to all the crabs?" And someone says, "Well, there's more money uh, sending them to Baltimore than than serving in New Orleans." Well, that ain't right, okay? And so uh, all of our crabs are going there. And of course, we have what's called the Lake Pontchartrain blue crab. I don't know how. How exclusive it is! I, I guess it's a Gulf of Mexico type crab, but uh, but uh, in the bottom of the shell you see a, a blue a blue coloration to them. Yeah, those those crabs, the, uh, the those real big ones that are so wonderful, are uh, crabs that have come up in uh, fresh water, and we get that some around here too, where they've come up into the up into the marshes, and uh, those are those are spectacular crabs. So they go from the Gulf and they go into the into the marshes also. Into the marshes, yes. Uh huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to ask you about oysters, but first, let me announce this. I'm going to do this a couple of times during this. All right. Uh, about the uh, uh, the essential Louisiana seafood cookbook that we did a couple of years ago. It's recipes by Stanley, uh, and we're uh, doing a um, 
on, the, on, on our website. We have a, one of those electronic button things that you can go. Uh, in, in, anyway, go to louisianalife.com uh, and there is a, uh, and, you, and you'll see the thing and uh, they're selling at half price, uh, $8.99. Uh, and of course it's available at other places where books are sold and Stanley's probably got a few too. So if you see Stanley, you can buy it. Uh, from him, but anyway, it's the website, and 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 just hit the uh, uh, hit the button. How's the oysters over there? The oysters, the oysters are good. I mean, they uh, you know ever since uh, ever since uh, the uh, Horizon oil tragedy, uh, the oysters have been have been not in not as plentiful as they were before, um, but. Uh, I haven't had any yet, but there are a couple of three places um, in Grand Isle where they're uh, where they're raising oysters in uh, cages, you know. Uh -huh. And uh, I, I hear that I hear they're really fabulous oysters, but I haven't I haven't had any of them yet. Yeah, it's not the it's not the the native um, Louisiana oyster. It's another kind of oyster. Um, I can't think of what the name is right now. And there's um, one restaurant in New Orleans that know that serves them. And uh, I, I tried them one time. There was nothing special. There's nothing like, man. I mean, like the native blue oysters when they're chilled and when they're salty. And I mean, that's an oyster that's best. Yeah, I love them. Do you believe in uh, in dipping the oyster in some sort of, uh, you know, horseradish and ketchup or something? Or are you just like... I don't, Errol. I just put, I put, I, I squeeze some lemon juice on mine. That's all I want on my oyster. Yeah. Yeah. Oysters are something I guess some people got to kind of grow into. Like if you're from somewhere strange, you've never seen a raw oyster before and somebody says, hey, eat this, you know, you probably got second thoughts about it. It's not, <laughs> it's not an attractive looking food um, by any means. All right. And yeah, I think you're right. Some, somebody once said that uh, the first, uh, the first person who uh, ate a raw oyster was a brave person. Yeah, the, yeah, the member, yeah. And uh, but anyway, so probably for a newcomer, it helps to like dip it in ketchup because at least you, you had a little bit of coloration to it and put it on a cracker or whatever else you do. But once you get to the point in life where you say, I'm going to try this raw, and if it's a good oyster, it's really good. And you kind of ask, well, why, why have I been wasting, you know, ketchup and all that? And so, yeah, good raw oyster, just um, as nature intended, it could be a good dish. And then, of course, the fried oysters. I mean, oysters really, like a fried oyster, fried oyster poor boy uh, is really something. Uh, oh, something it is. Special. I, I had a, a fried oyster poor boy earlier this week, and it was, uh, it was fabulous. Do you buy into the Ormonth theory? And that would be that oysters are best in the months that have an R in them. So that would be what April through through October. Uh, yeah, I'm I mean, actually March. No, February, January. Well, starting starting in uh, September, really. Yeah. September through April, it would be. Yeah, like September that. through April. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I think that really started uh, before there was you know the widespread refrigeration and. Uh, uh, the hot weather was uh, was more problematic, but I think I think from my experience that they are tastier in the in the cold weather. 
uh, I, it seems to me, from my from my experience from eating oysters. Yeah. I mean, I I will eat them in uh, I will eat them in the the other months, but uh, I usually don't that much because I don't find that they uh, that they're as tasty as they are in the colder months. Yeah, I I think you're right. Uh, so the months that wouldn't be the R months would be May, June, July, and August. It's convenient how it all works out that way. And actually, those tend to be the summer months, uh, you know, where it's just a little bit warm. I don't like eating when it's not the R months, not because I necessarily agree with the science, the theory. I, truth is, I don't know. But I think it's good with food to have seasons, uh, that there should be some food, that this is the season for that food. Uh, you know, whether or not, you know, you know, it's like tomatoes. I mean, you know, eating tomatoes in December, yeah, it just doesn't seem right. I mean, I like eating, I like eating food in season. It includes, I, I think you appreciate the oyster more when all of a sudden it's September and you say, oh, I can eat oysters again. Yeah, I, think, I agree with that. Uh, but that's me. Who knows? All right. Um, but yeah, oysters, when done well, can really just be some good. Um, and, uh, and oysters are also, you were talking about crawfish. Uh, early, a lot of people have uh, uh, crawfish balls around Good Friday, which is which is true. But also, eating oysters is part of the tradition too. Um, uh, I'm not sure where in the Bible the transition was made. I mean, you know, from the the Last Supper to uh, oyster uh, boils and in uh, oyster poor boys. But anyway, it's a good, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a good tradition. So, okay, gumbo. Um, What's your favorite gumbo to make? Well, I usually make uh, I usually make a, a chicken and sausage gumbo, uh, uh, but I my really my favorite gumbo is a a, a good a good seafood gumbo. Um, that's really my favorite, and uh, I mean I've had some in a, a duck gumbo is also is also wonderful. Right. The uh, gumbo, right. We've had this conversation before. Okay, the conversation about the roux, right? Making a roux, I mean, it's an important process of the um, of making gumbo, but it's it's long and it's I mean, uh, uh, it, it involves a lot. It seems like I remember last time that you've blessed the ocean, the notion of using a prepared roux. Is that right? No, actually, I I uh, uh, I, I I like the idea of using a prepared roux. Uh, uh, I mean, it's fine if you have the time. If you have the time and you want to make your own roux, and and uh, you know, for some people, it's a, it's kind of a uh, uh, something that, that that they love doing. But uh, the the bottled roux, uh, you know, some of them are very good. I think, and um, I'm I I think you know, it's quite okay to use them. I mean, the thing is, if you think back, if you think about restaurants, I mean, every time they make a Every time they make a, a gumbo in a restaurant, they don't start off making the roux. I mean, they make big batches of roux and then they and then they uh, use it whenever they're uh, they're making something and they need it for. Um, and I also sometimes uh, also sometimes will use a dry roux, which is very quick and is uh, uh, is very good. And it's very easy to make your own dry roux just in a uh, put flour in a cast iron skillet and put it in the oven and uh, uh, bake it stir it around every once in a while and um, uh, it keeps very well. Hmm. You mentioned the uh, last time savoirs. Is that a, uh, 
a rule that you'd recommend or that, that's that's the one that i use yeah that's the one that i use it's very it's very common around here on the uh uh on the on the shelves on the grocery shelves and uh uh it's a good one so i that's that's what i generally use now how about filet versus okra uh, any preference i like both i like both errol uh, but i'm i'm um, it depends on what it what what kind of gumbo it is, uh, but like with a chicken and sausage gumbo, I uh, uh, I like filet. Uh, with a seafood gumbo, I like filet. With a shrimp gumbo, often you know make it with uh, with okra and uh, tomatoes. Uh, but overall, filet is my uh, is my favorite. What does filet bring to it that okra doesn't, or vice versa? I know okra is more of a thickener, uh, but what is filet? Is it just a little bit of a piquant it's, flavor it's, to it, or it's just the flavor? I think you know, you put it in, uh, you put it in at the end, or when, or when you serve it, and to me, it just adds another dimension of flavor to it. Uh, it can be a thickener if you use enough, but but in reality. You know the roux is uh, the roux is usually the thickener, and the 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 filet is is uh, is for the flavor. But I find that more and more, so many people, you know, they make a a, a gumbo with a, a roux and uh, don't you don't even use the filet. They don't use either filet or okra. Hmm, okay, that doesn't seem right. I'm kind of an okra guy myself, but what do I, I I just like the way. That if you make a big pot of gumbo, and then, and then over time, as you serve more and more from it, it assuming you don't eat it all the first time, it kind of like thickens the gumbo as it goes along. And finally, when you get when you get down to the the bottom of the pot, you can eat the gumbo with a fork. Actually, um, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's, it's become so uh, so thick. Um, I, um, the uh, stews or etouffees. What's the difference? Oh, that's a, that's really splitting hairs. I think um, uh, I'm not sure what what the <laughs> what the real uh, line of demarcation is uh, between a, a stew and a uh, uh, and an etouffee. Um, um, that's a that's a tough one. Okay, I would think anything done near the Atchafalaya is an etouffee. Uh, anything done anywhere else, like a beef stew, okay, or something like that, okay, uh, is um, is a stew. Um, <laughs> maybe there's some kind of. You wouldn't use a roux and make it an etouffee, would you? Yes, yes, you can. Well, it depends. You can. You can. You can make it with a roux. You can make it with a roux, or you can uh, uh, make it with a uh, a slurry of uh, flour and. Uh, water or uh, 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 chicken broth. Uh, so it varies. Okay. We're talking to Stanley Dry, who does the, uh, uh, the, the cooking column for Louisiana Life magazine. He's also an author of a, a book that the, uh, uh, the magazine did a few years ago called The Essential Louisiana Seafood Cookbook. And uh, we have a, an online thing that if you go to uh, louisianalife.com, they have a button there and uh, it's on sale, half price, eight ninety nine, and it's a good book. I I, I guarantee you, it's, it's a, you like it. So, we also do this little thing on the show called this or that, and this is our producer Kelly. He has a series of comparative questions. There's no right or wrong answer. This is more of a 
a fun thing. So it's like, which do you like better, this or that? And so let me go, go, go to Kelly. Kelly? Okay. All right, Stanley. Um, we've here done this before. Here comes the tough questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> we've done this before, so you know the drill. <laughs> okay, so the first one I have is beignets or snowballs? Beignets. I'd have to agree with you. <laughs> Do they sell beignets in Lafayette? Is there a, a place? Uh... There, are, there are a few places that, uh, that have them, not all the time, but uh, there are a few places where, where you can get them. Okay. Okay, crawfish boil or shrimp boil? Oh, that is really a tough one. Uh, well, let's say crawfish boil. I go ahead with that too, because first of all, I, I think sucking the heads, okay. But now what you've told me about the artichoke, man, I want to go to the crawfish boil and put some artichoke in there. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, I'll guess it'll work as well with shrimp. And so I'd love to try, man, that big, I don't even eat the crawfish. Okay, just give me a pot. <laughs> you know, give me the sausage and the crabs and the and a little piece of pineapple and the artichoke. And you can get yourself a meal right there. That's, that sounds That's good. It. I know, that yeah. sounds delicious. The third one is jambalaya or etouffee? Etouffee. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> etouffee is more soupy, I guess, and you could put it over. Right. Okay. I think there's just more things to do with etouffee. There's more options. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Kushan delay or a seafood po' boy? Oh, well, if I had a chance to have Kushan delay, I would have that. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I could pick. I don't know if I could pick between that. They're both equally delicious. My theory about there's a lot of stuff in Louisiana culture that I attribute to the jazz fest in New Orleans. I think its impact has been normal. I mean, enormous. And I think that that's one thing that the jazz fest in New Orleans put on the map. Corso de Lay. I guarantee people in New Orleans had no idea what Corso de Lay was. I mean, no idea, much less having on the on the poor boy. Okay, but over the years, it become it became one of the really popular dishes. And those people that do it are really good. I mean, it's it's oh, yeah. really a good. It's really a good dish. Oh, yeah. I'm getting so hungry now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the final one is kind of more of a baking question. Um, bread pudding or bananas foster? Bread pudding. I love bread pudding. I didn't I didn't expect that answer, honestly. <laughs> if I go if I go to a restaurant that has uh, bread pudding on the menu, I will always order it because it's fascinating every rest every place you eat it it's different every restaurant has it has their own way of making it and i just love to sample all the all the different varieties i would say that i think that's a, that's a very good point that bread pudding is the most versatile of all desserts that i know and it is different in some places it's uh it's it's big like in a big square and they just cut out chunks from it in some places it's it's like it's been scooped out and in some places it's hot, some is cold. And then some places they put like a, a rum sauce. And so it really is different from place to place. It is. And also it's functional because the bread they use is all the, the bread that's left over, like all the uh, the table bread, the poor boy bread and, and, and that. And so it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's more, more of a, a native uh, dish. Stanley, just a couple more questions and we'll let you go. One I want to ask you about, 
we've been talking about the local seafoods and things that we got this bounty from the Gulf. Is there a type of something, a seafood or a fish that's not native, but that you really like? Oh, there's not other than Gulf fish? Yeah. I, I love codfish. I love codfish. And um, uh, I also, uh, I also love uh, uh, bluefish. A lot of people don't like bluefish at all, but if it's uh, if bluefish, yes. Well, yeah. where does that come from? Uh, it, well, New England. Okay. In New England, and uh, it uh, you know it's an oily fish, and it can be a stronger tasting fish. But if it's fresh and if it's been bled and if it's cooked right, it's just a uh, it it's really a wonderful fish. One fish that's becoming uh, more plentiful at local supermarkets, and it's not a native fish, but certainly a good fish, is salmon. Yes. Yeah, I love salmon. I love salmon, particularly when, uh, when they're running and you can get the, uh, when you can get the fresh sockeye salmon. That is, uh, that, that is a wonderful fish. There's a store, maybe there's several stores, but one I'm aware of, that sells salmon and you read the label and it says Atlantic Coast Salmon, okay? And then you read the next line and it said, formed in, Ch in Chile. So yeah. here is Atlantic Coast Salmon that's raised in Chile, which is in the Pacific. Uh, I guess that's okay, but it's just unusual. Isn't it? but yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of fish farming of salmon and of other fishes too. So you, you, really got, you really got to pay attention to the label and where it comes from and what you're getting. Yeah, and uh, in, in Chile, I believe has a big seafood, you know, retail and processing market. Where do um, where do the best scallops come from? The best scallops, um, well, you have you have the uh, uh, the big uh, sea scallops, you know, the big one, and then there are the uh, the little bay scallops, and um, uh, the best ones that I've had have been, uh, you know, from New England waters, New York, New England waters. There are some scallops that come from Florida that sometimes are sold as base scallops, but, but they're really not. They're called uh, calico scallops, and uh, I find that it's an inferior, an inferior scallop. Yeah, and so the Gulf, I mean, the Gulf is really not a place known for its scallops, what he means then. I don't, as far as I know, I don't know if there are any scallops in the Gulf. I don't think I've ever, uh, ever seen any uh, uh, from the Gulf. Okay. What is the fish um, that's really, really popular in Florida, like along the panhandle? I mean, it's almost like the native fish. Oh, um, the mullet? The what? The mullet, is that it? Is that no, it's not the mullet, it's the Gulf fish. Uh, they serve a lot like in sandwiches and then, um, but anyway, it's, it, you see it's still all on the panhandle, but you don't see it in Louisiana uh, very much. It's almost like there's a, a barrier to Mississippi. Um, anyway, um, by the way, Gulf Coast seafood can't compete with Louisiana seafood. Uh, I mean, it's mostly a lot of fried stuff and some of it is like Louisiana knockoff kind of things. Yeah. But I don't think there's any really uh, distinguished uh, Gulf seafood. Finally, and then we'll let you go. Uh, we know you like to bake. Uh, any uh, favorite things that you've baked lately? Oh, I was baking. Um, I was baking bread regularly uh, uh, for a while, and uh, then kind of 
stopped doing it because I was gaining too much weight, <laughs> too much bread, <laughs> bread and 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 butter. Um, so um, I haven't been. I've been trying to uh, to take off. I was had a checkup recently, and I gained a lot of weight with this pandemic, and and so I'm trying to take off some weight. So I haven't been really haven't been baking too much just real recently. Did you ever make a king cake? I never have made a king cake. No, no. Um, uh, I love them. I love them, and I love the variety of them. There's so many, so many different, uh, different ones. But I've never, I've never made one. Yeah. Um, yeah. The um, the variety is incredible, and it's become more and more popular around Louisiana. And now you see things like boudin king cake. And you, right. and, and you know that's really a, a rhyme. I think grouper was the fish I was thinking about, the Gulf Coast fish. Mm -hmm. that you, yeah, that you don't see much, uh, much around here. So anyway, well, Stanley, thank you very much. It's been delightful and, uh, uh, and, and, and informative. Uh, thank God we still got our bounty of seafood uh, uh, out there. And, uh, and uh, by the way, people should support Louisiana's uh, uh, seafood also. But overall, it seems like the seafood's holding its own. I mean, despite the challenges, did, the, did that rough hurricane season have any any uh, any impact on seafood? I don't know, Errol. I hadn't. Uh, I haven't heard anything one way or the other about that. Uh, I, I just. I just don't know. But uh, yeah, we're fortunate to have the great variety of seafood that we have, and uh, it's uh, it's a real blessing. I know the uh, the hurricane, the one that hit Lake Charles so badly that in the day or so before it was going to hit, they were talking about these huge tidal surges. I mean, it's like really big tidal surges. And uh, I imagine that would have devastated a lot of uh, uh, habitats and in places that were seafood, but, but they kind of skipped around the, uh, and uh, it, it, it didn't do the damage to the shore that they thought, but kind of came around, still did a lot of damage. But anyway, and so that'll, uh, that's the vibe. Let me mention again, if you want to get the, uh, uh, the book, 899, uh, louisianalife.com, uh, and it's a, uh, there's a button on there, and it's, uh, it's certainly a, a book worth happening. Stanley, thank you very much. Let's do this thank again. Thank you, Carol. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Louisiana Insider. Subscribe, like, and rate our show where you listen to your podcasts, and follow us on social media at Louisiana Life Mag. Executive producer for Louisiana Insider is Kelly Massico in cooperation with Louisiana Life Magazine. For subscription information to Louisiana Life, call 504-828-1380. Our theme music was provided by Rich Collins. Hey, that's me. Join us again next week for more discoveries inside Louisiana.